This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretson from the University of Utah uh, School of Medicine, and today we're going to talk uh, briefly about wound management in the wilderness. Now, uh, we'll do some general wound management. Basically, we want to outline the difference between managing wound in an urban setting versus that in the backcountry. There are some major differences, and uh, you need to be aware of these uh, when you start treating wounds uh, in the backcountry. Uh, the most significant uh, is, uh, difference is uh, being getting, a wound getting dirty. A, a wound in the backcountry uh, has a propensity to have a lot of uh, filth in it. This is by virtue of the fact that you're out in the dirt, climbing, uh, river rafting, uh, dirt biking. A whole variety of sports will lend themselves to uh, getting a wound dirty. Plus, people don't shower, don't clean, and don't have access to uh, clean water uh, to clean out a wound. So that's probably the biggest difference. Another uh, big difference is you may not have enough uh, material uh, to clean a wound uh, uh, out with or to dress it. For example, a simple abrasion can take many, many gauze pads over a number of days, and you may not have enough, and you don't have access to them. Uh, it could be that you meet someone else on a uh, another uh, trip that passes you that you can get them from, uh, but you may not be able to get anything. One thing you can do is make sure that uh, everybody on their uh, trip takes their own first aid gear and that way uh, you can borrow uh, from other people. For example, if someone needs a lot of a wound change dressing, you have 10 people on the trip. If everybody brought wound uh, tr- uh, dressing material, then you can borrow from that. So that's probably a good idea. The other thing in, uh, about wound management in the backcountry is you may not have the right stuff. For example, if you have a deep laceration, you may not have the, the right things uh, to treat it with. Uh, and then you will have to improvise uh, where it may have been better if you didn't need to improvise. Well, so uh, another issue uh, that comes up in basic wound management is uh, you need to you know, have a, a good exposure, good hemostasis, uh, and uh, before you uh, can uh, uh, proceed. This can be a problem in the backcountry because exposing a wound can be extremely uh, difficult. That is to say they may have a backpack on, a helmet on, they may have pads on, they have a ski jacket on, and so exposing it becomes a problem. And the, the, one of the reasons it's a problem because you'll expose the person now to the elements. If it's cold outside, they might be exposed to hypothermia. If it's, if it's uh, wet or uh, too hot, uh, it, it, by removing clothing, you remove protective barriers. So be careful with that. And if you cut gloves off, then they don't have gloves. If you have to uh, pry a helmet off, you might damage the helmet. So just be aware of those things. You might need them after you take them off. You do need to expose a wound, and it might be dark. So you might have to have headlamps or people hold a lot of lights on there, uh, which is a, another problem. Hemostasis is a problem in the backcountry. Hemostasis means stopping the bleeding. This really becomes the first step in any wound management after you expose it is to stop the bleeding. Uh, everywhere you learn, you're going to hear that uh, you stop a bleeding with uh, direct pressure. That is correct. However, in the backcountry, uh, and specifically in the backcountry, if you have a wound that uh, is life-threatening, that is, you've, you've amputated an arm or you've cut a major artery, and the person is going to bleed to death in a matter of maybe a minute, direct pressure may not be your answer, and you want to apply a tourniquet. 
So a tourniquet in certain situations becomes the most important thing you can do in the first line of therapy. Tourniquets should not be overlooked if they need to be. This isn't for just regular wounds. This is for major wounds uh, that, are, that are going to take someone's life. So a tourniquet is, should be placed above the wound. The, the tourniquet should be made of broad material. And then a wand should be placed that you can tighten. You don't want to tighten it any more than you do, need to to stop the bleeding or at least slow the bleeding uh, down. Um, right? If you do apply a tourniquet, you don't want to use wire or thin things because that will just cut into the skin and create more problem. But a tourniquet should be applied a couple of inches above the wound. This is on a limb, of course. Uh, they work real well. They can be uh, uh, released uh, just after you apply them, if, just to stop the bleeding and to see what's going on. And you can catch your breath and kind of see what's happening before you go to the next step in the March protocol. The problem, one of the big problems with wounds is that uh, they're extremely painful. I mean, with the tourniquets, they're very, very, very painful. And when you put them on, you're going to stop all blood supply to the limb, uh, and it's going to hurt. So if the victim is awake and alert and you put a tourniquet on, they are very, very painful, but they may need to be put on to stop uh, the bleeding. All other wounds uh, direct pressure. And you can take a gauze pad and, uh, or a cloth or anything and just place it on the wound, and that will stop the bleeding. Holding a, a, a limb above the heart really doesn't help that much. To stop bleeding, you really need to put direct pressure. And in major bleeds, that in the March protocol, massive hemorrhage, you need to play, uh, place a tourniquet on. Uh, you can't replace blood in the back country, so you need to stop the bleeding. Um, now, uh, for uh, uh, debriding a wound and cleaning a wound, this becomes another problem in the backcountry because you may not have access to clean material uh, in which to um, clean the wound. So remember that uh, the, the desired way to clean out a wound is with uh, a high-pressure irrigation, whatever that means. You can use a syringe. You can use a, uh, a, a water bottle that you have that you usually drink from. You can take a, a clean baggy or a garbage bag and cut a hole in it and squeeze the water out that way but you want to clean that wound soaking really doesn't have any uh, value you can scrub a wound lightly with your hand or with a piece of gauze which is good those are very very uh, uh, that's also a very effective way to clean but but uh, cleaning a wound initially with direct high pressure is important this uh, uh, will uh, um, get rid of bacteria, it will get rid of foreign material, which can cause tattooing afterwards. The other thing you want to be careful was if, uh, when you're doing this is to protect yourself. If they have a coat or a jacket or if they have a, a shirt, you can use their clothing to protect you. So that way you, you can put, protect yourself and, and put your own clothing back on. Um, but make sure that as you're spraying that you're not getting their blood or, or possible contaminants back onto you. Make sure that you uh, get rid of devitalized tissue. This is really important with burns and other things because if you uh, fold a skin, dead skin over a, a, an abrasion, it is very likely you can get infected. Um, we're going to talk about lacerations and specific uh, ways to close a wound in just a minute, but dressing a wound, any wound, uh, is uh, difficult in the wilderness, but it becomes very important because that's the way you're going to keep a wound from getting infected and also protect it from use. For example, if you are a biker and you've scraped your knee, there's a potential that you can continue to scrape the knee on the handlebar or on the, on the seat of the bike or something, so protecting it from further damage becomes important. Also, from, from exposure from uh, just dirt and the filth that, that you're going to get in the backcountry. So it becomes important. You really not want to cover it up with a, uh, some sort of absorbent gauze dressing and then secure it with tape. 
And there's a lot of bandages, occlusive and otherwise, that you can use. And you should probably take those with you when you go uh, into the back country. If not, you're going to have to improvise with duct tape or other tapes uh, that you might have. You should never go on a backcountry trip, even if it's just a short day trip, without some sort of wound management and, and things that you can use. This becomes uh, 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 just incredibly important to have something. You may have to improvise. Um, one of the most important um, uh, principles right now is to talk about scabs because uh, there is a there is a misnomer and a thought in in normal uh, popular belief that scabs are good. Well, scabs are generally bad. Small scabs, uh, you know, are not going to be a problem. But if you have an abrasion and you have a scrape, it is very important that you keep that wound moist. Moisture has now been shown uh, in repeated studies and in retrospective studies to show that you get much better uh, scarring, uh, and you uh, decrease the, uh, the pro- probability of infection, and you, inc- and you decrease the time to healing if you keep a wound moist. All wounds should be kept moist. Wounds that are exposed to air will form a scab, and putting a scab on a wound is like putting a rock on lawn. You cannot grow lawn under a rock. It'll grow around it, but not underneath it. And you, you, you have to remove that rock or remove the scab in order for the wound to heal properly. Uh, a wound is a, a, a scab is a way that the body uses, but it's not the way that we should use. So when you start putting on a wound, you uh, covering a wound, you need to make sure that you're going to keep it moist. What are you going to keep it moist with becomes the question. We're going to talk about that uh, later on in more detail. But the, basically, anything that keeps it moist, Vaseline is good. They have those white creams, Johnson's and others that make that you can put on there. Uh, you can use antibiotic ointment, but you don't need to use antibiotic ointment. A, a big thing that is being used now is honey. There's all sorts of preparations now that use honey. Honey is an antimicrobial. It keeps the wound moist. Uh, there are some honeys that are better than others. They have some emoluments and some that you can buy. But just if you're out in the back country and you don't have anything, put honey on the wound. Honey is remarkably effective. But you do need to keep wounds moist. And remember, they, uh, in the back country, you need to change the wounds uh, dressings frequently, more frequently probably than in the front country because of the propensity to get infected and the propensity to uh, uh, scar. So replace those wounds free, uh, frequently. Topical antibiotics aren't necessarily needed because uh, just keeping the wound moist and keeping it clean is, uh, in most people, is going to be good. If you think they're going to get infected, you can use something. Uh, a lot of people are getting allergic to bacitracin, which is sulfa, and they're also getting allergic to neomycin, which is neosporin. Those things uh, then can become uh, problematic in the backcountry if you get an allergic reaction on top of a wound. So some of these other ones are better, and we'll come back to that uh, later. Um, if uh, The idea of when do you evacuate a wound, well, complex or mutilating wounds, very uh, grossly contaminated wounds with penetrating debris need to come out, lacerations of the eyelid, ear, or the cartilage need to come out. Uh, if you have a penetration to a bone, joint, or tendon, they might need to come back out, and bites on the hands, legs, or feet, or amputations. Uh, the, we had a story on the uh, Colorado River in the state of Utah in the United States where uh, a, a, a young man, not on our trip, uh, but had fallen while coming down a hill and had split open the skin above his shin. He was with a company that were, they were going to be out for two and a half weeks, and they'd been out about uh, seven days of that two and a half weeks. And when we examined it, it was dark, and we, uh, we had to um, 
Uh, he was in his shorts so we could see it, but we had to put a bunch of headlights on it. And, and there was good hemostasis, but it was dirty because he'd fallen into the dirt and under this rock. What was interesting is we could see where he had shipped a little piece of bone out of the the uh, the shin or you know, the front of the tibia. And so uh, we had a decision to make. So we irrigated the wound extensively, and we we had some betadine, which we cleaned out the wound. Uh, we uh, elected to close the wound, and now comes the decision whether that boy needs to go out. He's a young, healthy kid. He doesn't have any uh, medical problems. The pain control was really quite good. Uh, after a lot of discussion, we had some, a bunch of doctors on this trip. We decided that we would tell them that, that he could stay, but we had enough antibiotics to give him to manage it. So we had a lot of Augmentin and other uh, a, a series of uh, antibiotics, and uh, we gave him those. And he had another 10 days uh, approximately in the back country. Uh, and we told him that if it got infected and to look for signs of infection. It turns out that he stayed the 10 days, the wound healed. And as he got out, he went to the city of Moab, which they had a small hospital. It was not infected, and he did quite well. So there's an example where we kind of had to debate whether to keep someone uh, in the back country uh, or not. Um, closing a laceration becomes the next uh, topic that we just want to mention briefly. And that is, um, when you have a laceration, you have two choices. You can close it primarily right then and there, or you can uh, delay it uh, and, and close it when you come back out. That is, you can wrap it and, uh, um, uh, and then uh, close it later. These are debates, and there's no right or wrong answer, and it's very spe- uh, uh, situation-specific uh, to what you do. There's also a lot of debate whether you should uh, primarily close the wound at all in the backcountry. Some people say that it's great, and other people say, no, it's prone to infection. I've had really good luck through the years in closing wounds in the backcountry by suturing them. I've never had one get infected, and I've closed, uh, you know, several dozen over time. <clears throat> the case I just told you where we had to put the kid on antibiotics, that became uh, uh, essential that he was on those, but even that wound uh, didn't uh, get infected. Um So uh, the risk of closing a wound is higher. It is for sure if you close it. So if you decide to just uh, uh, put gauze over it, pack it, and tape it shut till you can get back, that's fine too, and you can go that route. A lot of it's going to be upon what activity you're doing, how long you're going to be in the back country, and uh, where the wound is. If you're comfortable closing a wound uh, and using sutures is effective if it's in an area, like on the hand word, that's going to pop open, that's good. Uh, you can use staple guns. Staple guns are very effective in the backcountry. Again, you have to. It's very situation specific of where you're going to do those. Uh, you can use uh, tape, duct tape, if you have nothing else. Those work. You can use steri strips. Steri strips can be bought over the counter. You should buy little uh, benzoin, which is a, a skin glue, which or a, 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 a makes the skin tacky, and that will hold this, uh, the the uh, steri strips over them. They're very effective in the backcountry. And you can also use skin glue. Now, skin glue is not the same as super glue. Skin glue really is a special glue, uh, very similar to uh, uh, airplane glue, actually. Uh, and in that case, those are really good in the back country, but they have to be small. They can't be bleeding. You have to be the wounds have to be basically uh, the edges approximated, sort of naturally. Otherwise, they'll just pop open. Um, you're going to have to decide on your own if you're not if you're comfortable suturing, do it. Uh, if you're com- comfortable using steri strips or tape, use those. Uh, sutures and staples are, are, are fine, and tissue adhesives are all okay. Um, you'll, it's very, very, very specific to the, to your location, to where it is located on the body, to the activity you're doing, how long you're going to be out. The last topic that we'll talk on this particular podcast is burns. Burns are particularly common in the backcountry. They're common in the backcountry because you have fires and you have 
different ways of cooking that people aren't used to. You use Dutch ovens, uh, and um, uh, those things can become hot. When you're at home, you have handles on uh, pans that you grab and you're not used to, but people will grab uh, cast iron and burn themselves quite badly in their hands, or things can spill more easily. Embers flip out of a fire and they get on feet. And, and fires are, are really, really quite common. So you have to be, uh, be aware of how to treat burns. There are three ways to classify burns. You've heard this, uh, if, uh, if you haven't done it all your life, somebody has uh, so many, uh, you know, uh, a partial thickness burn over 20% of their body, things like that. Let's go over that. So the ways that you classify burns are by their depth, by their area, and by uh, the location on the body. The depth used to be by degree, but uh, in the last uh, decade, they have switched completely over to something that's more easily identifiable by most people. So we say they're superficial, partial thickness, or full thickness. Superficial burns are very easy. They're just red, uh, and they don't uh, cause blistering or cratering at all. Partial thickness for the blisters, they're the ones that cause partial uh uh, go partially into the skin itself. Full thickness goes right down to the skin and are very easy to see. Interestingly enough, the, part, uh, the superficial burns tend to be more painful, where the, the, if you have uh, full thickness burns, the, it just one, they're not as painful because this, this, the skin is gone. The area around them is painful because usually you have partial and superficial burns around a full uh, thickness burn. Uh, and the other way that you um, uh, describe burns is uh, how, how big they are over the body. This is the famous rule of nines. The arms are each 9%. The legs are 18%. The front of the trunk is 18%. The back of the trunk is 18%. Head and neck is 18%. The groin is 1%. Roughly speaking, the palm of your hand is about 1%. Um, this will make, uh, this is critical as you make decisions whether you're going to, how you're going to treat and whether you're going to keep some into the backcountry or not. How deep it is and how broad it is all over the body. And then the third way of classifying a burn is where is it on the body? For example, you could have a superficial burn over 10% of the body on the hands. Any one of those uh, uh, in and of themselves is not descriptive as all three of them. And in that case, the fact that it's on their hands uh, makes it extremely difficult to function in the backcountry. It's going to be much more painful, and uh, evacuation may be required just because their hands are burnt. So um, the, the treatment of things like superficial burns, and if it's a small superficial burn, you don't have to evacuate them. You put cool uh, on the area with a damp, wet cloth, uh, and that will usually be all they need. It will burn. As, as you cool it, the, the, the pain will go away. Um, the uh, treatment of superficial burns uh, is extremely common, and you just are going to have to be able to do that in the backcountry. Pain management really becomes the mainstay of a superficial burn. The partial and full thickness burns are more serious and will, will be painful uh, just because this, uh, the full thickness burn, in the, the center of it won't be, may not be painful, but the area around it's going to be. You want to gently clean the area, cool it uh, uh, with water, which will help uh, with the pain. Then you want to apply a thin layer of antibacterial ointment, such as silvidine, to the burn and cover it with a non-adhesive sterile dressing. That will help with the pain. You want to inspect the wound and change the dressing frequently. Uh, that if it's too painful, then you're going to have to get them out of the, the out of the back country. Um, so uh, uh, you need to be very um, liberal about getting people home because burns are extremely uh, difficult and problematic in the back country, and they're very painful. So, and even though even though um, guidelines may say 
you could keep them in the back country, the pain may force you out. Also, if it's on their hands or it's on their feet where they can't walk, if you're biking or if you're paddling or if you're climbing or if you're backpacking and you have uh, burns on your feet, then, then you may just have to come out because you can't function. So pain, the propensity of scarring, the propensity of long-term problems, uh, function, all are going to have to play in whether you take someone out or not. And be, uh, be open very easily to uh, stopping your trip. Uh, the basic guidelines are partial thickness burns greater than 10% of the body uh, surface area need to come out. Full thickness burns greater than 1% of the surface area. Partial full thickness burns involving the face, hands, or the feet or the genitals need to come out. Electrical burns. If the patient is medically ill, they need to come out. Uncontrolled pain, they need to come out. And burns complicated by smoke or heat inhalation uh, uh, need uh, to come out uh, just about immediately. So uh, the, the best way to treat burns, of course, is to prevent burns and um, uh, to be careful with... We'll have a discussion in the next podcast about appropriate creams and ointments to put on wounds, including burns. Um, so this ends this podcast. Again, uh, thank you for listening.